Good, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Kiro Film Society, and I am Pastor Neil Wemus. Um, I began there, as you heard, the NFL on Fox theme, which should give you kind of a hint as to the kind of show that we're going to have this week. Uh, this week is going to be a very football-themed oriented uh, podcast. Uh, I've not recorded since probably mid-July. Um, as some of you probably have noticed, uh, part of that is in the middle of July at the National Youth Gathering, uh, came back, uh, had a few things go on, I was kind of busy the first weeks back, and then all of a sudden I got the strep throat, I got, um, inner ear infection, I got cold, I got a cold and a really bad, nasty cold, uh, lost my hearing in one of my ears for a little while there. Uh, it's still getting, it's still not completely back, it's getting better, it's definitely better than it was. Uh, so it kind of knocked out the month of August, and by the time I got better, um, I ended up having, I had so much stuff to do, uh, as consequence of being a pastor, you lose half of a month, uh, you kind of, you get really backed up. And so, that's the reason you haven't seen much of me for a while, haven't heard from me for a while, for a while. But we are back. I'm going to be back here. Um, this is going to be the first podcast back. And I talked about it all the way back in July that I am planning to do kind of a, what I'm going to call the kind of the Lutheran, Lutheranism 101 series. And what I might be doing is I, I don't have the total ideas how I'm going to do the schedule. It might be that I'll do one week as a movie night, movie oriented. The next week will be a Lutheranism 101. Um, back and forth type thing or I don't know something of that nature then maybe the fifth week might be if there's a fifth you know fifth Friday or whatever day I decide to podcast um, I might do you know maybe a sports theme or something like that or maybe a TV show or music I don't know exactly I'm still kind of mentally thinking about this but today uh, because uh, last night was the first game of the NFL season. Uh, the Denver Broncos beat the Carolina Panthers in a rematch of Super Bowl of the Super Bowl, and uh, it was a very close one, twenty-two to twenty-one, I believe, was the final score. Uh, the Broncos won on a field goal in the you know the last moments of the game. I didn't get to see it, but that's you know what I read from line. Um, and so, this, like I said, this is going to be a football-themed show. We're going to, the start of the show, we are going to, I'm going to give you my predictions, my, um, ideas for the NFL season that is to come, that it started yesterday, and the rest of the teams are going to get into action this weekend, on Sunday, and I'm also, and then, because this is the Kiro Film Society, um, I do have a movie for y'all today, and that it's going to be a football movie called Rudy. So, uh, with all that in mind, uh, we're going to talk up the... We're going to begin on my NFL predictions. And so we're going to start right up in the AFC. We're going to go. For, we're going to talk about the AFC, and then we're going to move to the NFC a little bit later. So I, I'm going to go in order of how... Most websites list the standings and all that jazz um, for the league. So, 
starting with the AFC East, uh, the four teams you got the AFC East. You got the New England Patriots, the New York Jets, uh, Miami Dolphins, Buffalo Bills. Okay, so those are the four teams, right? Uh, the AFC East is for basically since what, 2001, I think that was about it, has basically been the New England Patriots division. Now, I think there's a couple years there that um, the Jets or the Dolphins, I think, kind of snuck in there and won the division. But by and large, this has been the Patriots division. And, and it's not just the Patriots are a good team, and they are. I mean, they got Tom Brady, who is argu probably, I would say, is still one of the two best quarterbacks in the NFL. Even at the age of 37, the guy has not slipped up yet. You know, I kind of thought maybe well, Peyton Manning slipped up. Maybe Tom Brady's right behind him, and it hasn't happened yet. And maybe that might have to do with maybe he's got a system that work that has allowed him to um, have better longevity. Maybe it's just genetics. I don't know the reason, but Tom Brady has had a little bit better longevity. Add to that, they have uh, Rob Gronkowski. The basically, he, not basically, he is the most dominant tight end that I've seen. And I'm serious. I mean, that he's bet, he is more dominant than even, like, Sterling, I mean, um, Shannon Sharp or Tony Gonzalez. You know, those were the two great ones I could think of. Uh, so far, Gronkowski, in his career, has been outstanding. And anybody that's ever had him uh, on a fantasy football team, which I've had, fortunately... And has seen how good this guy is. And and the Patriots are a completely different team when that man is on the field. And so it, so the Patriots have a lot of... They have those... I mean, those are two things. Their offense alone... And I, I, know, I know Brady's going to have four weeks out. And so I'm going to say that the Patriots are probably going to end up with like a 10-win season. Which for the Patriots, that's going to be pretty bad. Uh, normally, they're at least a 12-win team. This year, I'm thinking 10 wins, and that's because of Brady being out for four games. He's being suspended, having been suspended for the deflate gate thing. And I think he he earned that. I think he needed something to happen. Uh, Brady really needs to learn to take responsibility for things. I think it help him a lot in this stuff. Um, but he, I think he's going to come back. He's going to come back angry, and he's going to play hard, and he's going to be dangerous, and they're going to... They're probably going to win 10 games this season. But because we're talking about the AFC East, and so as much as the talent they have has been a big part of why they've been good, the other part is that the rest of their division for most of these, you know, 15 years has been nothing. I mean, like I said, every now and then one of those teams kind of pulls up. The Jets have had a few good a few years where they lifted up and they started to push the Patriots. Um, the Dolphins have done it. Um, even the Bills, I think, did it one year. But generally, these teams have been extremely lacking. And because of the weakness of these three teams, every year, the Patriots are almost guaranteed six wins on the season because of how poor the other three teams in their division are. And so, you know, the, 
I mean, the Buffalo, take the bill, and the thing is, some of this is tr- kind of sad. Um, the Buffalo Bills especially stand out in terms of the sadness of this. Um, a couple of years ago, I can't remember who the coach was, and I, I suppose I could Google it, but I don't want to pause and have this weird cutoff. Uh, but a couple of years ago, the Bills had were starting to build up this really good defense. Incredible defensive line with Mario Williams. Um... Their running game was going just right. They didn't have a great quarterback. This, is, I think, this is when they had Kyle Orton was their um, quarterback, and and you know Kyle Orton was one of those quarterbacks who was he was never great. He was never, you know, even a, you know, even a Tony Romo, and yet, but he was a game manager. He didn't lose you games when he played for the Bears. When he played for the Broncos, when he played for the Chiefs, and when he played for the Bills. All teams where he never lost games, and their teams actually did kind of decent when he was there. All you needed was a your running game had to step it up, and so did, and you had to have a good defense. If those two things were at work, he did well for the team, and the team would win. Um, he wasn't going to win games for you, but he wouldn't lose them for you. All right, that's the kind of guy Kyle Orton was. And so back then, so the Bills had all this talent, and all of a sudden, unexpectedly, I don't know the reason still, maybe some other person out there knows, but the um, the Bills, the core, the, uh, so the Bills had this guy, it's a core, I had to look it up, sorry, I did pause. I said I didn't want to do it, but I did. Uh, but the Bills coach, his name was, uh, I'm looking right here, Doug Marone, and he he only coached two years for the Buffalo Bills. The first season, they were six and ten, um, which is an admirable start to your time. The second season, though, this was the one that kind of stood out. Um, he was nine and seven. All right, so a nine and seven season with the Bills. And you got to understand how significant this is. The Bills for such a long time were you know such a a poor team. I mean, they really haven't been anything legitimate um, since really um, Jim Kelly was quarterback. And so, you know, Doug Marone here uh, actually got the team good. I mean, they even, you know, uh, they even they even beat the New England Patriots in the last game of the season, seventeen to nine. They beat teams like the Packers. Uh, they were beating good teams. They were legitimately one of the good teams in the NFL. And the game, some of the games they lost were really close. Nail biters. I mean, they you know they beat the Denver Broncos that year. I think that was the that might have been the, I think that was the first season. Uh, one of the se- or, um, early first seasons with Peyton Manning was quarterback there, and when the Broncos were really a good team and a tough team to beat. So I mean he. <coughs> he turned this team into a strong team. And then all of a sudden, unexpectedly, he left. Then comes in Rex Ryan. And Rex Ryan was the head coach for last season. And Rex Ryan got fired from the Jets. And the thing is, is we got to see very quickly why he is not that good of a coach. <clears throat> the problem with Ryan is, I mean, Ryan's got a mind, but he has discipline problems, and it showed 
clearly with the Bills. The Bills, you know, were really hurting after Marone left. Um, they, they were hurting because, I mean, this guy was giving the team hope for the first time in many of those guys' careers. You know, they probably, I mean, some of these guys like Fred Jackson have to, you know, they probably learned to love Buffalo and love playing for the Bills. But all their career, they struggled. I mean, they never had a great quarterback, but all of a sudden you get this guy Marone in. And they have these defensive players, and he's putting the pieces together and turning them into a good team. And all of a sudden he ups and leans. And this is, and Fred Jackson, you know, he, he talked about it. He said it was like getting punched in the stomach when uh, Marone left. Well, they bring in, so this team that has been demoralized. They bring a guy that has a history of not doing well with um, disciplining his team, having control of his team. You know, he's, uh, he's not really good with dealing with the attitudes of players. And this team is already an emotional wreck. And Buffalo made a huge mistake by getting Rex Ryan. I get why they did it. He was a big name in the state of New York. And... You know, he was available, and he has a reputation. <clears throat> but when they signed him, they guaranteed that that success that Doug Marone began wouldn't happen. If they had gotten the right coach, I think they were the team. They were on the road to be the team that finally dethroned the Patriots. But one decision, one a sequence of events involving the coaching staff completely derailed that. <clears throat> and like I said, last year you could see it with the huge, huge amounts of penalties that was going on with the Bills. And that's, when you see there's a lot of penalties with the team, that goes right to coaching. Um, <clears throat> then you have, um, then you have the Dolphins. Uh, the Dolphins... I don't know what to think of the Dolphins. They're a team that just, there's nothing that just screams out to you. I don't think they're going to be awful, uh, but there's nothing that just says to me, okay, this team is legit. They picked up Arian Foster, who's a, who's broken down, shrivel of a man. He's not at all what he used to be. But they picked him up. Uh, I mean, they got, you know, they got Sue there on defense and, you know, that's kind of nice and all. <coughs> but they... Tannehill is, a, you know, an okay quarterback. But there is nothing on that team that just makes me think, oh my goodness, this guy... These guys are legit. Nothing about them makes me just say, okay, these guys are going to be hard to beat. Uh, so, really... I'm looking at the Dolphins. They're they're probably a six-win team. They're not awful, but they're just not that good. So this leads me to the third, the next team, and that's the New York Jets. The New York Jets have definitely, definitely last season got better. Ryan Fitzpatrick is a big part of that, and which makes. And by the way, that's making the Texans looking kind of, kind of foolish to let that guy go. And how, you know, maybe did they use him wrong or whatever. Uh, Fitzpatrick, I mean, Fitzpatrick is not going to be your Pro Bowl quarterback. 
Park, alright? But the guy has definitely changed the atmosphere in New York. And, you know, last season we saw with the Jets, they seemed to be beginning to build into something. And if there is, you know, because I said the Patriots are probably going to end up with a 10 win season on account of the fact that Brady's going to be gone for four games. And I think that's going to put them down a little bit. I mean, um, I don't know if they're going to they're going to lose every game when they're. I mean, I figure at least two of those four games are going to be lost. I've looked at the schedule, just hype, realistically speaking, and from what we saw in the playoffs, but in the preseason, uh, Garoppolo or however you pronounce his name, uh, definitely isn't going to be a great replacement. This is he's, they're not going to get a Mac sell thing, where he actually does a suitable job. I don't think that's going to happen. I think what you're going to see is the Patriots are going to struggle. At best, they'll get two wins. It's possible they'll lose all four. And Brady comes back. I don't think Brady's going to go undefeated to the end of the season. You've got to figure a couple like, you know, a couple more losses along the way. Um, just because that's the way the it goes. And that's a, a judgment on Brady or anybody. It's just reality. You're probably going to lose a couple of games. And so with a 10-win season, and the way the Jets have been play, and played last season... And the way I think they're going to get to it, you know, they still have Daryl Revis on that defense, uh, probably one of the best, you know, he's, get, he's age, getting older, but he's still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And so I'm expecting kind of a 9-1 season, so I believe the Jets will push the Patriots. They will get the Patriots afraid of losing that division. And, and I really do think that the Jets... You look at what they've got right now, you kind of get the vibe that they're a team that they're just one puzzle piece. And I don't know what it is, but they're just a puzzle piece or two away from actually start being the team that dethrones the Patriots. And I've longed to see that happen in the AFC East. To see that, see somebody kick them out of that throne. Uh, so, this, so next up we have the AFC North. Uh, you have the in the AFC North. You get the Cincinnati Bengals, the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, Baltimore Ravens, Cleveland Browns. And by the way, the way I'm reading these in order, you're probably you're actually hearing my standing prediction. Uh, and so that's um, I suppose I should read it in alphabetical order instead, so you don't know what I'm thinking. But anyways. Um, so I'm picking the Cincinnati Bengals to win this division. Uh, the AFC North, really, out of all the divisions in the NFL, is probably the most uh, competitive division it is there is. And it's been that way for several years. And it's always between those three, the three top three teams I mentioned. Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, and Baltimore. Uh, I don't expect Cleveland to jump into that um, jumble this year. I know there's been a years in the past where they seem to want to push into the um, into the that battle royal but they they're not going to do that yet this year um, but the it's basically like I said it's down to those three teams the the Ravens I think is still have a lot of weaknesses um, since their their Super Bowl season and their defense still has kind of got some holes. Uh, Flacco is kind of starting to see some slip-ups. So, I I mean, they're not a bad team. I just don't think that they're going to be the one that's going to be pushing. Uh, The Pittsburgh Steelers are kind of the darling pick. 
of the NFL. Um, they got Ben Roethlisberger. Um, you know, some people. There's you know, I think Terry Bradshaw just talked about how he thinks Roethlisberger is the best quarterback in the NFL. Uh, I think that was Bradshaw that said that. Uh, I disagree with him very much. So, um, not saying that Roethlisberger is bad, but I do not think he's better than Rodgers or Brady or even Drew Brees. Uh, <clears throat> I I would say he might be the fifth best quarterback in the NFL. That's where I'd rank him. I even think I even think you could make a case that Philip Rivers might be better. And don't I'll get to Philip Rivers later. Um But anyways, uh Roethlisberger's there. Then you got also D'Angelo Williams is pr- gonna be playing these first few games uh of the season with um Le'Veon Bell being suspended. So you're gonna have but both of those guys are really good quality running backs. And so they got a good running game. They got a good quarterback. Um, the Steelers almost always bring it defensively. Uh, they may not be as good as they have been in the past, but they always are um, one of the better defenses. And a lot of that is I mean, a big part of it right now is they got a good defensive coach. And so, but the reason why I don't buy into this thing that a lot of commentators are saying that the Steelers are going to you know, win the Super Bowl, they're going to be the best team in the NFL, is I've been watching, I've been hearing that for so many years in a row, and I haven't seen it. I mean, each year it seems like the Steelers are struggling to even get into the playoffs, you know, much less win a Super Bowl. And I'm like, and so I don't get why the NFL, these NFL commentators keep on saying, oh, the Steelers are going to win it all. I'm like... Where's your evidence? You've been saying this for years, and they don't do it. And I don't know why that that happens, but there's clearly something, and it's, it's got to be a mental problem, because it's not like the Steelers are completely lacking in talent. Um, and it's, I mean, as competitive as the AFC North is, it is not impossible to win that division. So, the, I mean, the Steelers, people keep talking about the Steelers are the team to beat and that they nobody can that they're going to win the Super Bowl and I just I don't buy it I'm sorry I don't buy it I apologize to you uh, Steelers fans out there I'm not trying to bash on you and, and, and I'm not saying this I mean I'll admit I'm not a huge Steelers fan but my reason for talking this way is not because of my biases against the Steelers it's just what have I seen I mean, what have the Steelers done to make me think, oh, look at how good they are. Look at that. They've got to win the division. You know, I just, um, I just don't see what these other commentators are seeing. And so for that reason, um, you know, last year the Steelers were 10 and 6. And that was one of those years that people said, oh, they're going to be the team that wins it all. And 10-6, and six, that's not that impressive, right? Um, then you have, <clears throat> and so that leads to the top team in the division, and that is the Bengals. Uh, Andy Dalton, I mean, in the regular season, is a good, good quarterback. He's got some good receivers. And even if something would have happened to Dalton, I think A.J. McCarrens might be a good quarterback. And I think they'd be able to carry on if something happened to Dalton. Um, their defense, you know, it's not as strong. It's, could, could needs to get a little bit better. Um, they got some problems on the team, but they are 
still the team to beat in the division. Uh, last season, they were 12-4, and four, so one of the better teams in the NFL, 12 in the season. It's always a sign that you're a strong team. The problem with the Bengals, and everybody knows it, is the Bengals are the current choke artists to the NFL. The, um, and it's... Part of it's Andy Dalton, the other part is Marvin Lewis. You know, I like Marvin Lewis. He seems like a great guy and everything like that and seems to be a good coach, but for whatever reason, when it gets to playoff time, Marvin Lewis and now Andy Dalton just do not perform. Because if you notice, Marvin Lewis even was losing playoffs games um, with uh, Carson Palmer. And so they've struggled in this. They've been struggling in the playoffs for a while. But I, the Bengals, I think they're just, they're, this is going to be based, I think the NFC North, or the AFC North, sorry, is going to look exactly like it did last year. Bengals, Steelers, Ravens, Browns, and Cleveland, I, if, you know, if you're sitting there, for you guys listening here, if you're sitting there thinking, my life is too good, I'm having too much of a good day, and I my life is so odd. Wonderful! I'm always smiling. I'm always happy, and I'm really sick. When I want to be bummed out, my advice is go become a Cleveland Browns fan, and you will become depressed pretty quickly, because I mean the Cleveland Browns have got to be the most depressing franchise in the entire NFL. They are so depressing that in order to give themselves a sense of hope, they got to steal the history of another franchise. And I'm sorry, NFL, but the autogram is not, um, you know, he is not a part of of the um, Cleveland Browns history. He's actually part of the Baltimore Ravens history. They had to recreate this. Like, well, they decided to take the, you know, the new franchise, Cleveland Browns. It started in 1999. And they gave the history of the old Cleveland Browns to them. I hate that. Because part of it, it's confusing. Because people are like, well, why were the Browns have such a great, rich history? And all of a sudden, they're not so good. And the reason is, is they're not the same franchise. And the other thing is, it's not fair. It's not fair to the Houston Texans or the Baltimore Colts. I mean... If the Cleveland Browns get the history of the other Cleveland Browns, why don't the Baltimore Colt, the Ravens get the history of the Baltimore Colts? Or the Houston Texans get the Houston Oilers? Why do the Cleveland Browns get preferential treatment? I think this is a stupid hogwash situation that um, the NFL did, and I believe I really hate that they've done this. And every time I hear this from a commentator, well, I don't know why the Cleveland Browns are not as good as they used to be. And I'm like, because they're not the same team. Use your brain and you'll figure it out in seconds why they're not as good. Because you're not comparing it. The actual old Cleveland Browns have actually won two Super Bowls in the last 15, in the last 16 years. They are called the Baltimore Ravens. And they're still a strong franchise. Why? Because they are a descendant of the team of Otto Graham, who arguably was one of the top three quarterbacks to ever play the game. Alright? So, 
Cleveland Browns, like I said, this is what, like I said, this goes to the fact that they're a tra- they are a tragic team because they had to cr- steal the history of another franchise. It's like, ah, well, this is such a good team, but since nineteen ninety nine, they have not been to the playoffs even once. Bad quarterback after bad quarterback after bad quarterback is the history of that franchise. It's depressing, it's sad, but that's the reality of the Cleveland Browns. They got Robert Griffin III, a washed-up quarterback out of the Redskins. He's still young, and there's a possibility that maybe he's going to rediscover the magic he had that rookie season, but I'm not convinced, you know. Cleveland is, I everything I look at them, they're going to fight for a top pick. I mean, look at this. How many, I don't know how many top five draft picks that team has had, but it's got to be a lot in the last, in the 17 years of its history. And to never win a playoff, never even get to the playoffs, is thoroughly depressing. So, in a division where you got three teams, and it's and that even adds to the depressing thing, it's the division they're in. The other three teams in that division are always fighting the playoffs. I mean, I, I pick, I'm picking the Bengals to win it, but reality is that all three of those teams could win that division. I mean, that is the kind of situation you have in Cleveland. And they are watching these other three teams having great careers, but Cleveland just keeps being awful. Uh, fortunately for them, they won an NF- NBA title in Cleveland this last, uh, you know, last Ju- June, and even the Cleveland Indians are playing pretty decent, so they got a little bit to live for. Um, the Cle- and and by the way, in terms of football, you, they're not that far off from Ohio State, who is perennially one of the best college football teams in the nation for as long as most of us can remember. So they can have a bad NFL team because most most of us are not privileged to have that kind of a college team. So um, <clears throat> so that's the um, AFC North. So, so we move into the AFC South. So talking about competitive divisions, this is actually another competitive division, but not for the same reason. Uh, the NFC, you know, the AFC South, AFC North is competitive because you have three really good teams. The AFC South is competitive because you, and I, this is going to be different, all four teams in that division, I think, have a shot to win it. And that's not because they're four good teams, it's because they're four mediocre to bad teams. And so... I would not be surprised if the team that wins this division is a seven or eight win team. And it's one of those, it's, uh, it's when that happens, if you're a fan of an AFC North team, it, it frustrates you because you're going to see that seven win team get into the playoffs. Meanwhile, your team that might have had 10 wins on the season misses out. And, you know, I look at that division, I mean, the Colts. Are disaster right now. I mean, Andrew Luck has the potential to be the absolute best quarterback in the NFL, and we haven't seen it yet. We've seen um, 
flashes of it. Flashes of how good this guy can be. But honestly, I think it goes down to the coaching staff. You know, I ragged, I ragged on the Bills, but it, here's a, their coaching situation. The Colts are another one of those. Their coaching situation is absolutely awful. And I have no clue why they resigned. Um, that he was resigned. Uh, their offensive line is a mess. Uh, they don't have a running game. They don't have a defense. The only thing going for them is Andrew Luck, and their offense doesn't seem to know how to use him. The you know I was thinking about this because you know I was thinking about some of the there's in the last you know five years there's two quarterbacks that came out of the and came out of the draft that were compared to Peyton Manning because of their intelligence, because their ability to think on the field. And one of them was Sam Bradford, and the other one was Andrew Luck. And neither of them have really risen to that potential. And part of it is probably because we're all looking for that next Peyton Manning. Somebody could play like he did, maybe even better. And, you know, Bradford and Luck, and, and I've watched Luck in college, and I think he was actually better than Peyton Manning and the way you could think. But here's what was different between Manning and those two is when Manning came out of the draft and he came into the NFL, he had Tom Moore as a coach, as an offensive coordinator, and that was all the difference. If Tom Moore wasn't there, I don't think Peyton Manning would have had as good of a career as he did. He went in there and he got a coach who worked with him, who worked to Peyton Manning's strength, and he made Peyton Manning great. Meanwhile, um, Luck and Bradford have never had that coordinator who actually plays to their into their mental strength. I mean, people think of the quarterback; they just can ha- they got a gifted arm or whatever. But if you have that rare quarterback that is extremely gifted on the mental level as well as with an arm at least decent with an arm, his arm, you've got to play to that. And I know that's hard for an offensive coordinator because that means you've got to surrender some of your game planning to that quarterback or work in a way that you work, you know, it gels together, that he can use his brain on the field and it doesn't conflict with your strategy and your game plan. But it's going to be significant to help your team. And I mentioned Bradford because he's now with the Vikings, and I'm going to get to him in a little bit later. But Andrew Luck has not had a coordinator that does it. I've watched his career, and I keep watching. I'm so frustrated with the Colts coaching staff. I'm like, look at, do you not know what you have at quarterback? Why are you not utilizing his strengths, his talents? Look in the history of your own franchise. The reason why the Colts were so dominant for so long in that division was because you had a quarterback and you had a coaching staff that let that quarterback play to his strengths. All right? So, so the Colts, like I said, they're a big problem. That's why I don't see them winning the division again this year. I see them missing the playoffs again this year. They are a mess of a team. The only thing you have going for them is Andrew Luck. 
And they have some decent receivers, but it doesn't matter because they don't have the offense to get the ball to them. All right? Um, then you have the Houston Texans, who, I, who won the division last year. Uh, the Texans have J.J. Watt, the best defensive player on the planet, um, you know, out of this world. And, you know, they have some other good defensive players. Their defense is all consistently solid. Um, they have a pretty decent running game. The big question mark last year and this year is going to be quarterback. They signed Brock Osweiler with a huge contract, at, which was I think was stupid was dumb, foolish, reckless on the part of Houston because Osweiler has not proven he deserves that kind of a contract. Did he play decent with um, Denver? Yeah. But, I mean, he wasn't much better than, say, um, you know, Tyra, you know, you know, Ryan Tannehill or somebody like that. He's not out of this world. Definitely not deserving of a huge contract. But, I mean, that shows you how desperate the Texans are. The Texans, I'm sorry, you guys, you are not Super Bowl ready. You're not, like, one piece away from it. You might win the division, and you're going to have an entertaining season because the other three teams aren't that great. But I think that Osweiler's decision is going to come back and bite the Texans right in the butt. And they're going to fail, they're going to flounder, and they're not going to be as good as um, they should be. Houston, Te then there's the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, Blake Bortles, um, getting better. He's a you know number one draft pick a few years ago. He's getting stronger, and the success of the Jaguars all lies on him, on his development. And, you know, he's, he's shown signs that he can be a good quarterback, um, and the Jaguars could surprise. I don't know really where to pick them. Um, right now I have them for last place for the um, AFC South, but they could very well rise up to second as far as up to second place. Um, I don't see them going to the playoffs this year. Um, but I think they're a little ways away from what they where they could get to that. Uh, so but I don't know, really know where to go with them. Uh, but at the po this point, I think that they're still a team in development. Uh and, and understandably, because they were a team that was pretty far down there. And as, you know, as broken down as that team was, it's going to take a while uh, to develop and become good again. Uh, then comes the team, and this is my, one of my surprise picks of who I think um, will win a division, and that is the Tennessee Titans. I looked at the Titans, I look at Marcus Mariota, who is... You know, last season looked really, really good. He played very well um, in his rookie season. I'm, I'm actually, he, he didn't play perfect, but there was definitely points you watch it and you're like, this guy is legit. This guy is going to be a good quarterback for a long time. And by the way, you look at the AFC South, we have the potential that, I mean, three out of these four teams have young good quarterbacks, and it might end up being that, you know, for a long time, I mean, the AFC South right now is kind of a laughing stock of the NFL, um, you know, just an example of being honestly kind of pathetic, but I think a time's going to come where they're going to get good again, and so the 
you know, so here at the Titans, you have Marcus Mariota, who's good, and then they picked up DeMarco Murray, and, you know, I think, I'm hoping that Murray rediscovers what he had when he was in Dallas, and, I mean, a big part of why I think he failed in Philadelphia, part of it is um, the Eagles were a disaster last year, and we're going to get to them in a little bit, um, and the other part of it is he didn't have a very good, he did not have an offensive line, but he's with Dallas, he had basically the best O-line in the NFL, and that had a big part of the reason why he ran up and down the field like, you know, so dominantly. But this year, so he went to the Eagles, he didn't have that. He didn't have the thing, some of that stuff that was made him successful. Now, he comes to Tennessee, and I'm hoping Tennessee will, you know, find a way to get those pieces together and Murray will be able to run the ball well. And so I, I, I think the Tennessee Titans are a team on the rise. You know, I kind of, re- I really tore the, tore into the, the Colts there. I kind of tore into the Texans. But really, the t- but the Titans are a team that you're going to watch them. They're not going to be depressing because you know they've been bad. But you're going to see that they're getting better. And I honestly think that they might... I think they're going to sneak in. They're going to win this division uh, because of how weak this division is. And I look at all four of those teams. The Titans are the ones that's the team in that division that seems to have the most pieces together. So you're going to see the tight. I think the Titans are going to go to the playoffs, and it's actually possible they might shock someone in that first round, and you know maybe get do some a little bit of damage. Uh, so now we go to the AFC West. Uh, you have the Kansas City Chiefs, Oakland Raiders, Denver Broncos, San Diego Chargers. So there you heard my order. Um, Chargers are a team that has so many problems. Again, another team with a lot of problems. Uh, their offensive line is very weak. Uh, and their defense has been pretty skeptical in recent years. The only thing they really got is Ryan Matthews is a you know decent running back. Uh, you got Philip Rivers. I think I believe Philip Rivers might is probably the most underrated quarterback in the NFL. Uh, you actually if you actually sit down and look at the guy's stats. Okay, so I'm gonna actually I'll pull this up online. I'm gonna look up his his statistics and um, I'm gonna read them off to you. Okay, so here's his statistics last season. Uh, 4,792 passing yards. That was the best of his career. Um, 29 touchdowns the year before, 31. Before that, 32. Um, he's got, let's see, one, two, three, four seasons that he's thrown at least 30 touchdowns. Uh, his quarterback rating last year, I mean, it wasn't perfect. Uh, 93.8, but not awful. Um, it was only a few years ago he had it up to 105. Four times in his career, no, yeah, four times in his career he has had better than 100 QB rating, you know, which is, you know, that's always really good if you get over 100. And, you know, but he hasn't had much success in his career in terms of records. And the reason is because the Chargers um, have a lots and lots of other problems. And he's, while Philip Rivers is good, um, he's like a lot of these other um, lower level quarterbacks. I mean, the only quarter, the only quarterbacks in the NFL that I think 
are good enough to take a team that just by being on the team guarantees that they're going to have a bunch of wins. I think there's only like two of them in the NFL that could do that, and that's Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Um, even Drew Brees, I'm sorry, they've been, he's on that team, and they've been struggling for a few years. And I don't think that, and Brees is not on that list. There are two people. Rod, the Packers are consistently good, and I think the biggest reason is Aaron Rodgers. The Patriots are consistently good. The biggest reason, well, is Bill Belichick's a big part of it, but also Tom Brady. And so, um, the rest of the quarterbacks in the NFL need something extra on that team in order to truly succeed. And the Chargers are one of those teams. And so the, because Phillip Rivers has never really had the support, the ch- he has not been as good as he could. And I commend the guy. He has not said, I'm sick of this stuff, I want out. Because I guarantee you, if he left the Chargers, there would be teams drooling over him. I mean, there are teams that are ready for a super, that are a quarterback away from making a push to the Super Bowl right now. And if Philip Rivers ever jumped ship, they would jump and pick him up so fast, and they would they probably would, you know, push up there. And but he doesn't. And I, I give him credit. I like I'm a person that respects loyalty, alright? And so I respect that a lot of these that he's one of those guys that have been loyal to the Chargers. And probably it's easy because it's in San Diego and you got those beaches and it's like almost always sunny. So, um, so they're, so the Chargers are, like I said, they're, they're going to be the last place in that division, I think, um, I think a lot of those problems are still there, and Rivers, like I said, he's good, um, I just don't think he's good enough to overcome the weaknesses of that team. Uh, Denver Broncos, uh, they did beat the Panthers last night, true. Uh, they still have a very good stifling defense. Um, well, probably not going to be as good as it was last year, but they still got a solid defense. But their quarterback situation is a big is a question mark. Um, their running game is you know better than it's been in past years, but still not to that point that I think boy they're that they could carry themselves that it could carry the Broncos into a big playoff run. I think the I think Denver just lost too much in the offseason and for that reason I think they're gonna slip down into third place. I don't think they're gonna be bad. I just don't think that they're gonna be um, as good as people would like. Uh, Oakland Raiders are a team that I I mean you've been, if you've been watching the last couple of years, uh, you know go go all the way back, two thousand two Denver, the Oakland Raiders got to the Super Bowl. They lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and understandably, Tampa Bay was a very, very good team that year. Uh, they lost that that Super Bowl, and as, after that season, the team was perpetually in the gutter. One of the worst teams in the NFL, perpetually, you know, fighting for a first, second, or third draft number, you know, one or two or three pick, and. Now, watching them, you can see this team is beginning, has been beginning to build up and become good. And one of the reasons why I think the Raiders are going to be good, and I think they're going to become a legitimately good team, the biggest reason is Derek Carr. 
Uh, they drafted him um, the same year Bortles was drafted, Teddy Bridgewater, uh, Johnny Manziel. And as a Vikings fan, this kind of pains me to say this, uh, especially because the Vikings had a shot at Carr. I think, actually, all those teams that I mentioned had a shot at Carr. I believe that Derek Carr was the best quarterback in that draft. And I think so far in the careers of these guys, you know, three, we're in, our, in the third season, I believe, of these um, quarterbacks, so far, I think Derek Carr is the best. And I think he's only going to get better. He's got a good arm. And he's disciplining. He's not making as many mistakes as he might have made in the past. And I think as he continues to develop, you're going to see confidence build in the other players on the team. And I think the Raiders are going to surprise people. So I actually have two surprise picks today in that AFC. And so the first surprise pick was at Tennessee Titans. And the other one is the Oakland Raiders, I believe, will sneak into the playoffs. Uh, the team that I'm going to pick to win the division is the Kansas City Chiefs. And the reason is, is you have to remember, last year, they're only one game behind the Denver Broncos. Uh, Andy Reid, I am I, a huge Andy Reid fan. And the reason I like him is because he's got, he's got to be one of the, possibly, he's one of the smartest coaches in the NFL. And he knows how to make a team successful. He did it with the Eagles, and now he's doing it with the Chiefs. And he knows how to get everything he can out of that team. And for that reason, I, uh, I look at and with the Denver Broncos slipping up, and the Chargers are definitely a major weakness, and the Raiders are not quite ready, that's going to be the Chiefs' division. I think the Chiefs are going to go to the playoffs. They're going to win this, divi- they're going to win this division. So, um, so my my prediction is so the playoffs. Um, so it will be the Patriots, Bengals, Titans, Chiefs. Those will be the division winners, and the two playoff teams will be the Steeler. The two wild card teams, sorry, will be the Pittsburgh Steelers and um, the Oakland Raiders. So, like I said, the Raiders are a surprise team, and I picked them to get to the playoffs. And the um, the AFC title game will end up being. I'm picking the Patriots to beat the Steelers. And I hate to say that because I am not a Patriots fan. So I keep, actually, I don't like either of those teams. Those are probably my two most disliked teams in the AFC. But I looked at it. Um, I, I, I don't, I'm not convinced the Bengals won't choke up again. Uh, the Titans, although I think they're going to be good this, better this year, they're not ready to go, f- go the distance. And same thing with the Raiders and Chiefs. The Chiefs are good, just not good enough to push. So basically it comes down to the Steelers and Patriots. They're the teams that are built for a playoff run. And so I'm going to pick the, I'm going to say the Patriots are going to go to the Super Bowl. So that's my AFC. And so this leads into the NFC. And I have to say this right now. I said I was going to do something for the movie Rudy. And that isn't going to happen because we're already at 51 minutes and I don't want to go longer. Um, we'll do Rudy maybe next week, so I apologize for this. Um, I just wanted to get my my Super Bowl picks, uh, my NFL picks out. So um, we're gonna do. I'm gonna do some quick little segue music as we move in, uh, move on to the NFC. Mm-hmm. 
right, so there's the NFL that NFL uh, films music that some of you probably heard, uh, heard in the past. And so that's my little segue into the NFC. Uh, the NFC is my con- my div- my conference of the NFL. It's my favorite one, and that's because the Vikings are in there. And so, so we're going to start up with this with before. We're going to start with the NFC East. Uh, the NFC East, you got. I'm going to try to do this in order. I'm I'm going to put this in alphabetical order on the fly. Uh, Dallas Cowboys, New York Giants, uh, Philadelphia Eagles, and the Washington Redskins. So those are the four teams. Uh, in the NFC East. And last year, the NFC East was won by the Washington Redskins to the surprise of pretty much everyone. And the reason is that this is a surprise, and it was really kind of depressing because the Cowboys pretty much lost the season due to um, injury problems with Tony Romo. Um, And DeMarco Murray was, you know, he was gone because of, you know, he went over to the Eagles, so there was not a lot good going on with the Cowboys. Uh, the Eagles were an absolute disaster, and that all came down to Chip Kelly. I mean, Chip Kelly was just an absolute awful coach, and so the Eagles were a disaster. And so you, the team that still had the talent was the Giants. I mean, the AS, the NFC East was pretty much gift-wrapped for the New York Giants to win. And the Redskins, I mean, not not that they were a bad team, but they weren't great. They were a very mediocre to average team, if anything. No, they were not a team that should be going to the playoffs, winning a division, but they did. And so that and it was so it was a very surprising season. Uh, Kirk Cousins um, played just good enough to keep the team competitive, and you know the Redskins, you know, were a playoff team. They got to the playoffs. They played hard. They did good. Um, the Giants, like I said last year, really slipped it up. Uh, they had. Um, You know, they were realistically the, you know, the best team on that, uh, or the best uh, team talent in that division, and yet they did, you know, nothing with it. And, like I said, they had everything uh, gift-wrapped for them. Everything was there for them to be, you know, one of the better teams in, to win that division, and they, they failed. They choked. It was an epic uh, choke job on the part of them. So, <coughs> uh, and I, I, I'm not convinced about the Giants. I mean, the Giants are a very messy team, and they, and they really have been for a long time. I know they've won two Super Bowls with uh, Eli Manning, and I think, honestly, that's because somehow or another they... They find momentum at just the right time, and they win it. And but there's so many problems with that team. I just don't see the Giants doing too well. Uh, the Eagles are firmly in rebuild mode, 
And you could tell by some of the off-season moves, they, they're really taking part of that. And they had to. Chip Kelly kind of forced them into that. I mean, Chip Kelly came to the Eagles, took over, and dumped off a whole bunch of their players. Some of the really good ones, you know, like Deshaun Jackson and um, LaShawn McCoy. They let them all go, and lo and behold, they were a disaster of a season. And, you know, Chip Kelly got fired, and so... Uh, and that's why, you know, we'll get to Bradford in a little bit. Um, so they were a disaster of a team. And so they got a new coaching staff. They got the number two draft pick. And they, um, you know, they drafted a quarterback out of that, uh, Carson Wentz from the new NDSU Bison. Go, go Bison. Um, it's cool to see an NDSU guy be the number two pick in the NFL. And from the looks of it, he what we've seen in the preseason, he probably was the one that should have been the number one pick. Uh, he definitely looks better than Goff. But anyway, so the Eagles are firmly in rebuild mode, and so it's going to be a year or two before you start to see them good. I think they're going to be, because I think you look at what they've been doing in the offseason, you see what they, you know, getting... Uh, Carson Wentz, I think the Eagles are going to be a good team. And I think Carson Wentz, I think he could be like a Phillip Rivers. Because one of the things that I think Wentz has over a lot of these other guys is he got into the NFL playing for a small team. And he played for the NDSU. He played for a team that his, it wasn't, nothing was handed to him. He had to work his behind off to be as good as it was to get the be the number two draft pick in the NFL coming out of NDSU, that just screams hard work. And that is, you know, the probably one of the best programs in the nation. Consistently. Cha- I mean, they're going to play Iowa in a couple weeks. And sorry, Hawkeye fans, but I'm cheering for the Bison. I will, I will love it if NDSU beats Iowa. If they lose, it's okay. I mean, they'll, they'll be disappointed because, you know, it'd be kind of, you know, the, it's a loss. Um, but I would love it if they beat Iowa because Iowa's supposed to be really good this year. And to see NDSU upset them, and they upset at Iowa State a couple years ago. Um, they beat you and I a few times. You and I's beaten them too, but um, they beat you and I a few times, which means, you know, aside from Drake, <coughs> they'll beat in every, all, you know, all of the Division One teams in the state of Iowa for football. Um, they beat Kansas State a few years ago. They beat my Minnesota Golden Gophers a couple of years ago, too. They are a very good team. And, you know, Carson Wentz coming out of there, uh, he, I think that's going to be a big part of the reason why Wentz is going to succeed. And I think that the Eagles have... I don't know, maybe, you know, maybe the next Roethlisberger or maybe even the next Brett Favre. You know, somebody, he's not going to be the guy you expect to be as good as he will be. And, I mean, he was a high draft pick, yes. But he came from a small school. A lot of these other guys, I mean, you know, Goff, he went to USC. I mean, USC is one of the biggest programs in the country. You know, very notable. I mean, most of the quarterbacks in the NFL that... You know, the top quarterbacks came from big schools, big programs. Um, 
you know, Andrew Luck went to Stanford. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, what was it? Uh, did he go to, was it California? Or was it Cal, I think? I don't know. Anyways, uh, he went to a major school. Um, Tom Brady went to Michigan. Um, you know I mean? You just go through those guys and you see that they all went to these big programs. But then you, like I said, Roethlisberger, you know, I'm not a huge fan of him, but he went to Miami of Ohio. A decent program, yes, but they're not one of the big, really big ones. Uh, and uh, Carson Wentz is going to be one of those guys. He went to a small program and to get drafted as high as he did, it's, I think it's going to um, tells you a lot, a lot about that guy. Uh, so I, th- I think the Eagles are going to be um, I think the Eagles are going to be legitimately a good program, and they're going to be a good team in a few years. But this year, you're still looking at a, you know, maybe three or four win season. I don't think they're going to get a number one pick. I think Cleveland, the Cleveland Browns, got that locked up. So, um, so that leads to the Dallas Cowboys, who I predict is going to win this division, and that sounds surprising because Romo is going to be gone for quite a few weeks. Um, with the you know with what was the back injury I believe it was, uh, with him um, out, questions come. But you know Dak Prescott, who's filled in with it for him, I think is going to do well. Um, they also have um, Ezekiel Elliott they drafted um, at running back, and so and actually both him and Prescott are rookies. So you have <coughs> you have two talents and they have probably the best O-line in the NFL and I think I think you take those two little details and I think that the Cowboys will push and I think they're going to I think they're going to do just fine in spite of the big injury that they had. And so so the AFC so the NFC East I'm going to go with the Cowboys in first, Redskins will go in second. Um, third place will be the the Giants, and the fourth place will be the Eagles. So, a year from now, I think that's going to be a very different story. I think year from I think we are a year or two away from the NFC East turning into a competitive division. So, but right now it's just kind of, it's going to be kind of a boring division to be honest, um, because because none of those teams have anything that stands out yet. But you could see things starting to build, and if. You know, Prescott plays well, that means I think Romo might be out the door. And that will spell good news for one of those teams that could use a quarterback. Um, You know, somebody like Tampa Bay or Cleveland or, um, you know, any of a number of teams that that could be using it, could use a quarterback right about now. And so that door might be open if Romo were to leave the team. Uh, the Buffalo Bills could use a quarterback. And so that might be happening if Prescott performs well. And with Ezekiel Elliott at running back, like I said, they're going to push. So, um, Like I said, this team, and with Elliott and Prescott both being rookies, and you got Carson Wentz down there in Philadelphia, also a rookie. Um, and Kirk, Kirk Cousins has really been show, You know, you've been seeing um, good signs out of the Redskins. The only team in that division I don't think is going to... That's not going to rise up to that task unless things change. It's the Giants. 
But right now, they're going to be kind of boring, but eventually, I think that's going to be a very fun uh, division to watch. So, uh, NFC North, uh, this is the used to be known as the Black and Blue Division. Uh, not so much these days. <coughs> but it is my, my favorite division because it holds the Minnesota Vikings. That's where I live. Um, you know, the Bears, the Packers, and the Vikings... Uh, with the exception of, includes basically the closest teams to me, with the exception of the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. So I love um, that division. So, uh, it, and I think it's going to be, it's going to be an entertaining division as it always is, uh, and it's going to come down to really, it's going to be as entertaining as say the the um, AFC North, but I think it's going to be interesting, and it's going to come down to really the two top teams. Uh, the Lions, you know, still a mess of a team. I think Stafford, I think Stafford's exhausted what he could do. I don't think, I think he's hit a ceiling. I don't think he's going to get that much better. And, you know, they don't have Calvin Johnson anymore. They don't have the receivers. So you're looking at kind of a, a pretty weak um, team. And uh, lots of problems on that team. And I don't know. I think it's going to be a while before they can, you know, push into the playoffs even. Uh, Chicago Bears, why they keep making the mistake of letting Jay Cutler be on that team, I do not know. But he is there, and um, as long as he's there, I mean, even though they got Alshon Jeffrey, who's, you know, a really, really good receiver, uh, the Bears are going to struggle. And so that really leaves the top two teams is the Green Bay Packers and the Minnesota Vikings. And the Packers, it's the same story every single year. They have this, they have Aaron Rodgers, who as soon as Tom Brady retires, will be the best quarterback in the NFL, assuming that no one else jumps to steal the title, that title out from underneath him. And, you know, they have uh, occasionally some good running game, but never quite good enough to really um, say that they're going to win them titles. But the biggest problem with the Green Bay Packers has always been the same thing. All the career of Aaron, ever since Aaron Rodgers has been a starter, somehow or another, um, they've they snuck into the Super they found a way to win one Super Bowl, but otherwise you have seen nothing but bad stuff. And one of the biggest things they did was they let go of this so the two weaknesses is their defense and their O-line. And in the off-season, I mean, in the preseason, they cut Josh Sitton, a two-time Pro Bowl offensive lineman. The One of the biggest weaknesses on that team is their offensive line. And the way to beat the Packers is just give a little pressure on Aaron Rodgers and you're going to win. And so the story is the same every single year. They play a good regular season. 
they get to the playoffs, they might win one game, and then second round they get beat. Because the weaknesses that they have are weaknesses that every single time they get to the playoffs, they are exposed, and they lose. And so I think they're going to win the division this year, and the reason they're going to win is kind of by default, to be honest. Because the Bears and the Lions are not in the running at all for the division. And the Vikings, they're, they're my team, but they're going to struggle these first few weeks. I think they're going to lose the first game. They're going to lose their first home game of the new stadium, U.S. Bank. So that's seg- this is my segue into the Vikings. The Vikings are going to lose. Uh, I think they might... The Titans, as I said, they're going to be an improved team, but I... That's going to be a really interesting game next this first week. Uh, Vikings and Titans. I mean, Titans, what I've seen, they look like they could be good. The Vikings, I know, are going to be good this season. But at this point, the Titans are a team on the rise. The Vikings are going to have a brand new starting quarterback. I mean, a guy, I mean, he wasn't even on the team. A guy who a week ago was not on the Vikings. And so, given that situation, the it's going to be a very competitive game because both teams are not are still working on building for the season. Um, I, like I said, I think both teams are going to build their way into the playoffs, but they're going to struggle to start. And so next, and again, next week, the Vikings are going to play against the Packers. The week after, the Vikings are going to play against the Packers. They're going to open up U.S. Bank Stadium, which is, looks gorgeous. And I cannot wait till the National Youth, LCMS National Youth Gathering, because I'll get a walk on that floor. I'm like, I get a walk on the same floor that the Vikings play football. That will be so awesome. But anyways, <coughs> the fan excitement there. But... Um, I think they're going to lose that because still they're going to still be trying. They're going to be still working on that quarterback situation, but the Vikings are going to be good this year, and I mean good. Of the teams in the NFL, the Vikings, and I'm not saying this because I'm a Vikings fan. In fact, because I'm a Vikings fan, I'm probably ranking them lower than I. Might otherwise, I'm afraid of being biased. I'm afraid of jinxing them even. There's probably a little bit of, uh, um, it's just, uh, yeah, a little bit of fear there. And so the Vikings, but if you look at the Vikings, you can take out the quarterback situation starting. They have Adrian Peterson, Jarek McKinnon, and Matt Asiata at running back. Adrian Peterson is probably still the best running back in the NFL. Um, although I think there's going to get some, he's going to get some competition at that uh, title this year. You have, um, then you have the offensive line. Last year was probably the weakest point on the team. This year might actually be a strength that many people are stalking because they're healthy this year. And there's a lot of experience on that line. And they picked up Alex Boone from the 49ers. Um, 
they might have one of the top five O-lines in the NFL. Um, in front of that, those three really good running backs. Because, I mean, the other two running backs, I mean, um, you know, Jarek McKinnon, he could probably start for any team in the NFL. Matt Asiata, great short, short yardage running back. Uh, I mean, they got, and the thing is, with those two guys on the team, they preserve Adrian Peterson. And um, they are, makes, so right there, they have strength. Receiving, receivers, they've got, um, they have, uh, so at receiver, they've got um, Charles Johnson, they've got Sean Diggs, they got Laquan Treadwell. Um, they got Thielen, and then they got Cordell Patterson, who, um, you know, he's really, really slipped up in his career, and I wish he'd rediscover what he's capable of. But they have, I mean, they're not, it's not the best receiving core in the league, but it's definitely serviceable. You have Kyle Rudolph and uh, Rhett Ellison at tight end. Um, Kyle Rudolph is a great receiving tight end, good touchdown, short yardage, touchdown threat. Uh, Ellison is um, probably the best blocking tight end um, in the NFL, and occasionally he could catch a few passes. Uh, so uh, offensively, and they have Line, Zach Line, uh, is a you know pretty solid um, fullback. Turn to defense. On the defensive line, you got Robison, you got Sharif Floyd, Linville Joseph, um, you have Griffin, uh, Everson Griffin. All four of those guys are good um, defensive linemen. You got Chad Greenway, he's getting, who's getting up there in years, but he's good. Eric Kendricks has been getting better and better. You got um, Anthony Barr, who is ooh, very very good court um, linebacker. At cornerback, you got Terrence Newman, Trey Waynes, um, Captain Munnerlin, uh, you have Xavier Rhodes, and Mackenzie Alexander, he's a guy that they drafted who, from what I understand, is pretty good. I mean, they've got, I mean, on their team right now, they've got five, five good cornerbacks that... I think any of those guys could be what number one or number two quarterbacks anywhere in the NFL. And how many teams can say they've got that? And then you got at you know you got strong safety. You got Andrew Sandeo, um, who's he's kind. Of, I think he might be the weak point in the secondary, but he's not secondary. But he's not awful. And then you got Harrison Smith, who might actually be the best free safety in the NFL. And so you have just an absolutely top-to-bottom good defense, special teams. In the last season, I kind of, Blair Welsh, everybody knows Blair Welsh missed that field goal against the Seahawks. And a lot of us were kind of upset with him, and I was one of those people. And as I think about it, and you begin, if you actually look at Blair Walsh's statistics. Um, he did have one kind of bad... His, okay. Okay, here it is. His career statistics, I'm pulling this up on ESPN. Um, I want you to kind of get an idea as to what this guy 
has done in his career. So his rookie season, he went, um, he made, in his rookie season, 38 field goals, or attempted 38 field goals, made, uh, made 35 of them. Very notable was that he was 10 for 10 on field goals over 50 yards, which is impressive. He had a really good rookie season. Um, the next season, he did pretty good again. 2014, he had a major slip-up. He dropped down to 74% accuracy. So very much a weak season. Um, but then last year, he went 34th to 39. Um, not perfect. We don't have a guy like Gary Anderson who makes every stinking thing that he kicks. Um, except for that big one in the NFC title game. But we do. Ha- but the thing is, you know, he missed that kick, and he missed a few other f- kicks um, during the season. But when you actually look at it statistically, um, he's actually one of the... I mean, think about that. 39 field goals he's attempted in 16 games. All right? That's basically two per game. So, I mean, he's good for 135 points of the, um, of the Vikings' um, score. To, and the Vikings, let me pull up, I'm trying to find the uh, NFL standings from last year again here. And so I could kind of give you an idea. Um, as to what he has scored. There we go. 2015 NFL standings. Uh, NFC. Vikings. Okay, they scored 300. The Vikings scored 365 points in um, 2015, so last season. 365, and... Come on, Internet. All right, 365 points they scored last season, and uh, Blair Walls scored 135. So that means two hundred, almost a third... Of the points scored by the Vikings was scored by Blair Walsh. So as much as we kind of get mad at him for the, what happened um, in that game, that that playoff game against the Seahawks, really we probably wouldn't have been in the playoffs if it wasn't for him. And really, if you look at that game, we wouldn't even have been in the situation of a game-winning field goal if it wasn't for Blair Walsh. And so I think Blair Walsh is a lot be- is much better. I think many people are realizing we've been ragging on him, and I include myself on that list, and I think he's better than I think we realize. Uh, Jeff Locke is a very good, is a good punter, uh, has been consistently so through his career. Um, On the return game, this is something that the Vikings, growing up as a Vikings fan, the Vikings have not always been good at the return game. But in recent years, they have gotten pretty good, actually. And so, their big star, they've got Marcus Sherrills, is um, pretty dangerous um, on the return game. But the one that really stands out is um, is Cordero Patterson. Cordero Patterson, in his career, has already four kickoff returns for a touchdown. He's only been returning for three seasons. He's got a hundred. He is. 
In 2013, his rookie season, he returned one for 109 yards. Last season, he returned one for 101. His kickoff return yardage is over. His rookie season was 1,300 yards. Last year, it was 1,000 on 32 returns. I mean, think about that. On 32 returns, he had 1,000 yards. That's outstanding. And I know that Cordero Patterson, when his contract is up, I know the temptation for the Vikings is to let him go um, because he's not performed as a receiver. But you, he is such a good returner. Ask the Bears when they had, you know, ask the Bears, ask the Chiefs, um, ask the Packers when they won their the the Brett Favre Super Bowl, you know, with Desmond Howard, you know, ask those teams how valuable a good kickoff returner really is. The Vikings have one who, if he keeps this up, might be one of the all-time greats, and he's quietly being one of the all-time greats. Nobody realizes how good this guy is. The NFL, I mean, you're not seeing him on highlight reels like you did some of those other guys. <clears throat> but statistically, he is outstanding. And so I bring all this. And notice I've gone extensively on the Vikings probably because I am a huge Vikings fan. But it's a point. I went through every position on the Vikings except for one. And you notice every single position is good. Every single player on that roster is capable of being in the Pro Bowl. We pretty much have kind of a low-level Pro Bowl roster on our team. But one position I did not mention was quarterback. It's well documented in the news. We pr- most of you probably already know it, that Teddy Bridgewater, their star quarterback that they were drafted to be their franchise quarterback went down in the season, the preseason with uh, actually during practice um, with a torn ACL and did not look good at all but the surgery apparently has gone well and he should be back next season. But that left the Vikings having to start Sean Hill. And Sean Hill I think would have been able to step in right away. And I think with Sean Hill we were a wild card team. And I think we're still a wild card team. Because what happened was last Sunday, a huge, or Saturday, sorry, a huge surprise went through the NFL. And it's been talked about throughout the week. And we're going to find out on Sunday what we're going to start to see on Sunday how good of an idea this was. Understanding it's going to take a little while for them to get in. But they made a big trade. They traded a number one draft pick and a, a, fourth, a first round pick and a fourth round pick for Sam Bradford of the Philadelphia Eagles, which a lot of people are considering as a steep trade. And that fourth pick, and this is actually telling you something, I think the Eagles know that Bradford is not that bad. Um, because, and I think the only reason they let him go is because they are pretty set at quarterback. Especially, as I already talked about, Carson Wentz is going to be, I think he's going to be a star. But Sam Bradford you have to remember, was originally a number one draft pick in the NFL. And when he came out of Oklahoma, 
People were comparing him to Peyton Manning specifically because of his mental capabilities as a quarterback. And, you know, he came out. He played for the Rams. His first season, they pushed for the playoffs. They made a push for the playoffs, which was pretty remarkable given how, how bad the Rams were at that time. He eventually started getting, having problems with injuries. And that real, when he was healthy before those injuries, he usually played pretty good. But he got injured quite often, and that really hurt his, his stock in the NFL and his reputation. And I feel bad for the guy. It happened. Um, and when he was healthy, by the time he started getting, and when he was healthy, the Rams didn't have much to work with. They didn't, um, Steven Jackson was on the downward ter- turn of his career when, uh, when Bradford was there. And by the time of his, his, the end of his time there, they didn't have much for a running game. They had some good stuff on the defense, but offensively, he did not have much to work with. He goes to the Eagles, which was an absolute mess of a team, uh, with Chip Kelly. So Bradford hasn't really had a chance to shine. And so he goes to the Vikings. The Vikings traded for him. And I th- like I said, I think the Eagles know he's going to be good because that fourth round pick for 2008 is a conditional one. And what it, be- what it is is if Bradford plays 80% of the games and takes the Vikings to a Super Bowl. That could be a number two pick, a second round pick. So it could be a good dra- a really good trade for the Eagles. So the Eagles definitely um, got a good deal out of this. But as good of a deal as this was for the... So, but the Vikings, you know, they pick this up. This is a risk. There's a possibility that Bradford could get injured because it's been... We know... This guy is injury prone. And so there is that risk he could get injured again. And so, and a lot of Vikings fans are like, we don't want to go through with another Bridgewater. But if he gets injured, we already know Sean Hill is there. Sean Hill knows that offense inside and out. He's been with the Vikings for a couple of years now. He's going to know how to play it, and if something were to have to go down for for Bradford, I think Sean Hill will do just fine, especially with the running backs he had has with them. And and I mentioned we have some solid re- solid receivers that he could throw to. But Bradford, I mean, he was he was not a guy that I would have ever thought the Vikings would go after. I mean, people were talking about um, Aaron Murray, people were talking about um, Colin Kaepernick, they're talking about Mark Sanchez. Um, three, those three guys really made me scared that the Vikings would go and get them because they would be a downgrade from Sean Hill, all three of them. Uh, A.J. McCarron from the Bengals, I think, would have been kind of a nice one. But Sam Bradford was not on the radar, but it was a good, smart pick because if Bradford stays healthy, he was the right one to pick because if any quarterback could pick up an offense in short time, it would be Bradford, and from what I've heard, understand, and you know, just listening to the commentators, Bradford fits right into a North Turner offense, and so you take all of these pieces and you put them together, and so you got North Turner, one of the good, great offensive minds in the NFL. Um, he's even won some Super Bowls for the Cowboys. You take 
Um, Zimmer, a great defensive-minded coach who's totally turned over the Vikings. And I th- honestly, so far, I what I've seen is Zimmer, he is the best coach the Vikings have had since Bud Grant. And you take all of these pieces together that I talked about. The reason that defense is good, the reason that defense is as strong as it is, is Zimmer. Zimmer turn has turned the Vikings from an, a so-so defense to possibly one of the top three in the NFL. You take all of that together. They have the coaching staff, they have the defense, they have the offense. And the Vikings are the most well-rounded team in the entire NFL. The only reason I don't think they will win the division is because the Packers are still a good team. And Bradford needs to learn the offense. And because of that learning curve, I think that's going to keep them from winning this division. Alright, so I know that was a really, really long thing, but that shows you how good the Vikings are going to be this season. So, now we got to jump to the NFC South. Uh, the NFC South, the four teams there, you've got the, um, Car- the Atlanta Falcons, Carolina Panthers, New Orleans Saints, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Those are the four teams. Um, this is a division that really... It, picking it is like, kind of, you might as well put a bunch of names in the hat and just draw them out and make the picks. That's not how I did it, but if I did it, there's a good possibility I would have been right. Because I think, honestly, every single one of the teams in that division has a shot to win it. Carolina, yeah, had a great season last year. Um, they went to the Super Bowl, but if you look at the Panthers, they had a really easy schedule last year. And that really contributed largely to their success. And part of it is the NFC South last year was weak. Um, the Saints, I think, I kind of think the Saints are going to step it up, and I think they're going to have a good season again. Um, the Falcons, I think, are a team, again, that could step it up and they could play well. Uh, Tampa Bay, I think they could step it up and surprise people. Um, I think Drew Brees is, so if I were to rank the quarterbacks, so if I were to take the top five quarterbacks in the if I were to rank the quarterbacks in the NFL, and as I mentioned it a few times, I'd go number one would be Aaron Rodgers, number two Tom Brady, number three I would probably would be I would say would be Drew Brees, uh, number four I would say is probably Ben Roethlisberger, uh, number five uh, Philip Rivers, six Andrew Luck, and then et cetera et cetera. Um, so I think that would be kind of where I'd go with the list. Um, but as I noticed, Drew Brees had put number three there. He's not like he's not up there with Rodgers and um, and Tom Brady, where they're so good that no matter what's on what they have on the team, that team's going to the playoffs, and they're going to be good. Brees is not quite to that, and uh, but he definitely gives them a chance. As long as Breeze is there, they have a shot to be good and go the distance. Because, I mean, with the with the Saints, they just need some tweaks on offense. The defense just needs a little bit of working. <coughs> and they'll be good enough to win that division. The Panthers, like I said last year, 
Um, they had a really easy schedule, but that does not. I don't want to take away the fact that they do have a good defense. They have, um, you know, Cam Newton is a solid quarterback. I think he's overrated, but he's a solid quarterback. Notice I did not put him in the a top six. Like some people think he's he's the best quarterback in the NFL. I definitely, definitely don't agree with that. Um, I don't think he's in the top five even. Um, I think he might make the top ten, but I think he's really, really overrated. Um, Falcons, you had like the Falcons. Um, Matt Ryan, I think, is still a very good coach. I think he's a good quarterback. Um, I think he's probably in the top fifteen of quarterbacks. And but there's a lot of issues with the Falcons and. Uh, they're real. They're a toss-up team. They're a team that might be good. They might not. You know, they're kind of up in the air. Uh, Tampa Bay. They got Jameis Jameis Winston, uh, who's you know he's going to be in his second year in the NFL. Uh, he showed signs last year that he could be a good quarterback, and I think the Tampa Bay is just at that point that they might be able to push and maybe upset the other teams in the division. There is a possibility that Tampa Bay could win the division. Um, I'm not going to say they're going to, but there's a possibility they could sneak in to win the division, maybe sneak in and maybe get a wild card. Um, They're actually a pretty decent team. So this entire division is up in the air. But with that in mind, I did take a chance to make my picks. So I picked the New Orleans Saints to be in first, to to win the division. The Panthers in second. The Falcons will be in third. And Tampa Bay, it will finish last. Um, again, that could be a completely different order. Everyone could be in a different spot at the end of the season. It's a really tough division to pick. NFC West um, is really kind of like the NFC North. It's really a two-team division. Uh, the Los Angeles Rams are a, they're in rebuild mode. It feels like they've been that way forever. Um, but their quarterback situation is very, very bad. Uh, they have a top. They, you know, they have a really good running back and uh, Todd Gurley. Uh, they have. They have some solid players on defense, but yeah, I think the Rams are still going to struggle. Uh, the 49ers, they got Chip Kelly at quarter at coach, and for a team that's already struggling and already has problems. I have no clue why they got Chip Kelly. That, I mean, that's even worse than the Bills picking up Rex Ryan. Uh, Chip Kelly is comes in. I guess he can't destroy the 49ers. He can't really make them worse than they are. But, yeah, they're not going to be in a good position. Uh, Arizona Cart. So it really comes down to the Cardinals and the Seahawks. Just as it did last year, it's going to come down to those two teams. The Seahawks are perennially, uh, I would say, really, in the NFC, there are, I would say that there are three power teams, the four power teams in the NFC right now. Two of, and that's ironically, two of, they are the two divisions that are the two division races. I'd say the power teams in the NFC right now are the Packers and Vikings and the Seahawks and Cardinals. And really, the NFC is going to come down to those four teams. And I, I know some what, somebody could upset any of those, you know, any given Sunday. Yeah, I know that. But the Seahawks still, 
one of the top two defenses in the NFL. Last year, they were number two, and really a good, good number two. I mean, they were number two because like they had a bit down here. It's just that the Broncos were so insanely good. But I think they're going to take that number one spot back this year. Honestly, I think they are the best defense in the NFL. And they have been for a few years. Russell Wilson is uh, one of the best, uh, is a very, very good quarterback. I mean, he's definitely not, uh, again, he's not up there with Brady and Rodgers. He's not one of those guys that have him on the roster. He's going to, that guarantees you a winning season. Um, he is, but he is a guy that will win you games. He's he, he can make, he's a good game manager. I've seen him lead some really impressive game-winning drives. Uh, he's a good decision-maker. He's good enough that alongside that defense, they are going to be competitive. Uh, they don't have Marshawn Lynch anymore at running back, uh, so that you know is going to create some challenges for the Seahawks. But all in all, the Seahawks are uh, the team to beat in the NFC West. But right in... You know, biting at their heels is that Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals have... Now, I haven't talked a lot about receivers, but the Cardinals do have the best receiving core in the NFL. By a long shot. And Carson Palmer, again, is one of those quarterbacks. He's good. He's not a Rodgers or a Brady, but he is good. He is a guy who is, he can get the ball to those receivers. He's going to keep them productive, assuming he keeps healthy. And even if he goes down, Drew Stanton is not an awful alternative. If Stanton steps in, he's able to take and win some games too. If he goes down, then we know from a couple years ago, the Cardinals are going to be in trouble. On defense, two years ago, the Cardinals got to the playoffs on a, I think it was like a fourth, third or fourth string quarterback. They were in an awful situation on offense. They had no good quarterback while having this excellent receiving core. And yet they made it to the playoffs. They were, you know, they, I, I can't remember if they won the division or they got right, almost won it. But either way, that's impressive because the only way they got in was their defense. Their defense was absolutely outstanding. Last year, they slipped up, and it was very noticeable. And that's the reason why when they got to the playoffs, they got crushed. They got humiliated in the playoffs. Is that defense slipped up. And... So hopefully in the offseason they did whatever adjustments needed to be made and made that def- got that defense back to where it was. Um, they got, I think they got a couple good, a few good running backs. And like I said, they got the receivers, they got the quarterback. So we're talking well-rounded teams in the NFL. I talked about the Vikings being possibly the best-rounded team in the NFL. I think the Cardinals might be a close second place. And so, um, but... Again, like the Vikings, I don't think they're going to win the division. And the reason I'm going to say they're not going to win is I think the Seahawks will pull that one out. So, here are my predictions for the NFC. No, NFC. Um, I have the Cowboys, Packers, Saints, Seahawks as division winners. 
And the two wild cards will be the Minnesota Vikings and the Arizona Cardinals. And the NFC title game will be, this will be an all-wild card NFC title game, um, Arizona Cardinals over the Minnesota Vikings. Um, and, you know, maybe the Vikings could win, but I had troubles picking them mainly because I'm a Vikings fan. And I'm worried about sounding biased. But I do think the Vikings, part of me thinks the Vikings could win the Super Bowl. But I'm not confident enough to predict that. All right? So my prediction is Arizona Cardinals will beat the Minnesota Vikings in the NFC title game. And the Super Bowl will be the Cardinals over the Patriots. So there you go. There is my long NFL season preview. I know I'm at about a, what, an over an hour and 40 minutes um, approaching two hours. But I went through every team to some detail, some more than others. And that's because, admittedly, there's some teams I know better than others. Um, but there you go. My predictions is the you can hear it, that my prediction, the team that's going to win the Super Bowl this year will be the Arizona Cardinals over the New England Patriots. And I hate that I have to, I'm saying that the Patriots are going to be in the Super Bowl again. Because no team do I hate more in the NFL than the Patriots. I would even, I even like the Packers over the Patriots, and that tells you something. So... Uh, I hope that was fun for you, an enjoyable little podcast. I call this the Key Road Film Society, but there is nothing about movies in this one. I am sorry. I was going to do something about Rudy. Did not happen. And so um, we're going to do that probably next week, uh, sticking with a little bit of an NFL a football theme. That one will be a college football movie, but we'll re- I'm going to review that next week. Until then... Um, Have a blessed week, and again, I am Neil Wemus. I'm a pastor in Northwest Iowa. Nothing I said today had anything to do with theology, but that is who I am regularly. But I am a sports fanatic. I love football. This is my day off, and I decided to have, you know, just as a fun thing and a moment of enjoyment, just kind of podcast on, on the NFL. So... With that, have a blessed week, and I hope you enjoy the NFL season that is to come. And even though we didn't review Rudy, I figure why not play Rudy's theme to close out the podcast.